Hello, everybody. This is the Wasatch Report, episode number 47. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson with me in the studio again, as always. Joining us today also, Alan Mosley, host of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley, my favorite podcast, and Sarah Brady, a mom out of Boise, Idaho. She's been in the news lately. We're going to tell you why. I want to thank everybody that's joining us for the Facebook live stream. If you're listening in, I see that you're already commenting. Yeah, let us know you're here. We really appreciate it. This is a really important show, and it's going to require some critical thinking as we continue to reject the just do as you're told and sit down and shut up rhetoric. We're going to share some stories about some families who are trying to live their lives. One mom even spoke out and took her kids to the park. Wow, hardened criminal there. And uh, she's paying the price for it right now at in Boise, Idaho. Before I bring her on, I want to remind you, you can follow this page at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. And you can follow that for live announcements when we live stream and join the crowd that we have uh, sharing their comments. If you do comment, we will uh, bring those up and discuss those also on the show. If you can't listen live, Anchor FM hosts our podcast there. From there, you can find us on seven different uh, podcast platforms. You can also support the show directly from the Anchor uh, FM page for as little as 99 cents a month. Suzanne C. Sherman is my website for my published articles as well as blogs that I wrote exclusively for that platform. You can donate, also help our endeavors out uh, there. There's a donate button on screen. If you want to buy some books, we've got some great selections called the Suggested Reading Page. I have Amazon Affiliates. So you can buy what you're looking for and it doesn't cost you anything. And that's another way to help us out. Speaking of suggested reading, my book, The Lost Frontier Handbook, the printed copy will be available this month. You can still order the ebook version when the printed copy comes out. You simply pay shipping and it will come straight to you. Learn the ways of the pioneers. It is your ultimate guide to self-reliance. That being said, Sarah Brady from Boise, Idaho. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Suzanne. I'm really proud of you. You know, I, I'm so tired and it gets so defeating to see people walking around or driving around with not one now, but two masks on, giving you dirty looks, giving you a hard time if you're out and about or not wearing a mask, just trying to live your life. You have two small children. What's it like trying to keep them under a, four small children? What's it like trying to keep them all locked down in the house? Awful. How old are they, if I may add? They're just the basic yeah. age range. Uh, yeah, 12, 8, 6, and 2. Now, were you a homeschooler before this, or did you become a homeschooler by force like everybody else? Yeah, so recently had actually pulled my children out of school, and then about a month later, the lockdown occurred. And so everyone at that point was homeschooling. Tell us what happened. Uh, you have four kids. They're stuck at home. What led up to your becoming part of the news cycle here? Yeah, so um, I had been invited to this play date, and I'd actually forgotten about it the day of the of the of the play date. Um, our parks were open, but our playgrounds were closed. And I was painting my front door actually, and I'd sat down all sweaty and um, flipped open my computer. And someone at the the play date was live streaming, and they pan out, and it's this beautiful April day, and. She's like, everybody's having such a good time at the play day and somebody's ripped off the tape and look, all the kids are playing on the playground. And I'm like, so I'm having this moment. We've been locked down for about six weeks and it's been miserable. I'm not going to lie. There's no reason why I should pretend like it was fun. It wasn't fun at all. Um, there was a lot of crying and unhappiness and, um, and, you know, and you know, that saying when mom's not happy, nobody's happy. No, I think when the kids aren't happy, nobody's happy. That's <laughs> right. So um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the kids to the park. The baby was sleeping. My, my older son and uh, husband stayed home and I took the two middle kids to the play date. And um, when I got there, you know, these kids are playing and I sit down on this blanket next to a friend. I haven't seen people really for a long, a long time. No one had really gotten out. And it's just the beginning of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right? So and this, but in, in my world, people were finally starting to realize this is not what maybe the news has made it out to be. And um, I sat down and I'm not joking, like three to five minutes later, three police officers show up and being the wife of a police officer, I have a different perspective of law enforcement and 
and how that works and their roles that they play in our society and understanding what a true criminal is and, and what's not. And um, so they arrive and I was like, you know, I'm a little bit like now I've only been here three minutes and I really needed a break. And now, now we've got to, now we've got to deal with this. So at one point, you know, these three officers walk up and this one says, you know, get your kids off the playground. And I was like, well, you know, what's going on? He's like, well, it's closed. And he's, you know, he's gruff and he's irritable. And I'm thinking, this is not the way to handle moms who've been locked up in house. I don't care who you are. So at some point I get my kids off the playground and I kind of follow him out there with a few other moms. I had no idea that someone had started a live fa a Facebook and it made it public. I didn't, I didn't know. So I'm out there just being a mom who's a little bit irritable about the closure. So we were kind of demanding answers. Why is this closed? When let's say the, the, the picnic tables are open and it's okay to have basketball. And at the time I didn't know, but, um, Meridian police officers were letting kids sit in their cars for birthday parties. And the Meridian parks and rec guy had made sure that our, that our doggy parks could stay open, but we made sure we shut down the playgrounds. So anyway, at some point, as everyone's seen the video, um, the officer um, had said to multiple people, leave, leave, leave. And for whatever reason, at some point, he points to me, not other, everyone. He points to me and says, I gave, I'm, I've told you, I've given you five seconds. I was just, I was so offended. I was so offended that he, he starts counting down to me that I, I said, fine, go ahead and arrest me for being in a park, do it. And I turned around and I am in politics. So I, I was smart enough in that moment to not call out somebody's name, knowing at that point, I'm, you know, I could see people were, I was telling people to record it. And what a lot of people don't understand is, so the, 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 Parks were open, playgrounds were closed, but the playground equipment was actually what was wrapped off with cordon tape. And if you understand that when you close down something, <clears throat> it's what was closed down to be with. So they did not give the impression that wood chips were an illegal, illegal part. So that's why one of the reasons why I was so upset is because they were asking me to leave a place that was open. I was not preventing them from putting tape back up. All I was doing was addressing what was going on. So anyway, I was taken to jail. Um, handcuffed, taken to jail, despite the fact that they let over 400 inmates, inmates out of the Ada County jail. Um, but, well, they needed room for people like you. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, what do you, well, I guess, what do you expect when you lock up moms for six weeks? They probably aren't going to be your, they probably aren't going to be your nicest uh, citizen, right? So maybe that was planned. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. So that's, and that I was charged with trespassing. It's a misdemeanor in Idaho that carries up to six months in jail up to a thousand dollar fine. And I am now on uh, the state of Idaho picked up the case. Um, so I've been being prosecuted. Our, our AG who is Republican, our governor's Republican. I, I am now uh, 315 days from that arrest and have spent probably close to $8,000 in lawyer fees. And just recently my lawyer um, has had health problems. So I'm now going to be moving on to a third lawyer and they want to schedule a trial for April, I believe it's 15th and 16th. And I'm like, I don't know how a lawyer is going to be able to come in and prepare for that in time, but we will see. Well, I have so a question, me... Suzanne. Can I yeah. just jump in? Is this a coworker of your husband that arrested you? Well, so funny you would ask that. So no, they're different departments. I if if I had known the people that stepped on there, I I probably would have interacted, and they probably would have interacted with me honestly differently. And I never I never told them I was married to an officer, and I would I I. I would have expected, well, I wouldn't have expected, but typically when someone knows that you're married to a police officer, they do treat you differently, which is why I have a personal belief to not tell people I'm married to a police officer because I want to be treated the same as everybody else. I don't want you to treat me that I have some better standard or, you know, treatment based upon my connection to being married to a police officer. If I get pulled over, I don't tell them. I, I want to be treated the same. I think that's, that should be how it is. So um, he did end up knowing him. Uh, I didn't know at the time they, they, they knew each other. Um, so that was, you know, a little, a little interesting, the, the connection, but. So the basketball area was open. So it's not like the whole park was shut down. Like in California, everything's shut right. down. We were out there every single park. You couldn't use them at all. It is really clear what you can and cannot do pretty much cannot do. I mean, the entire park, the grassy areas, you're not allowed to sit in the grassy areas. I mean, we've seen the footage of um, SOs coming and taking a guy off a paddleboard out in the open, you know, right. off the coast of, I think it was San Diego. So, but there were areas here and it's not clear. And one of the fundamental prin principles of due process is that the average citizen can have a clear and concise idea of what kind of behavior is prohibited 
And when you have part of it cordoned off like that, it seems to be confusing, particularly when the picnic tables were open, the basketball kids were encouraged to sit in confined spaces like cars. I mean, for birthdays parties, this just shows how there's absolutely no cohesion when it comes to this type of policy at, at all. So I wanted to ask you, well, I'll, ask, I'll ask that one in a, in a second, but you also made a great point that you don't inform people that you were the wife of a police officer. And to me, I mean, I mean, I think that's very noble, but it's problematic at the same time because it really does illuminate the fact that they protect their own and they will treat their own differently than they would somebody else. Because I think it's pretty clear if you had let known who you were, you probably wouldn't have been arrested, which is why I admire you even more. This is what it takes is people standing up, even though you didn't go out there with the mindset, I'm going to put an end to these lockdowns. I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to seek national headlines. You're just, what were you thinking when you did this? I literally was a mom that day at a park. I was a mom that day at the park. And I was like, why are we locking people up in their houses? Like mental health is a thing. We've had, we've had suicides in Idaho. We've had parents kill their children, you know, like, and I think it's directly related to people not having human connection, taking care of themselves mentally and not having the resources to be able to do so. I, I, you know, for me that my mental state was just this, this is arbitrary. This is completely arbitrary. And, you know, and once they hauled me off, apparently moms went back, they put the tape back up around the equipment. Keep in mind, not, they did not cordon off the whole playground with the wood chips. So they never, went back and closed the area I was standing on that supposedly was illegal, right? So they just wrapped up the playground equipment. Moms came back with kids, ripped it off. And instead of citing them or arresting them, they just walked away. But yet today I still am being prosecuted for the same thing many moms did after what I did. And I think really what it comes down to is I set an example that at this point they they have to use me an example as why, why you can't do that. So it, I mean, they singled you out because you were defiant and not even really defiant. You were just assertive. So you're somebody that's out here. Hey, I'm taking my kids out here. I what I one of the comments I've seen was, hey, she told the police officers, she put her hands behind the, her back and said, arrest me. But what that person's now saying is, well, apparently police officers take their marching orders from the average citizen. Well, apparently police officers can arrest you for anything. But, you know, let's go back to that person. So who started it? You're, you're literally, you're, you're basically being aggressive to a mother with her children there on wood chips, which prior to this whole shutdown was a completely normal thing to do as a parent. And now, now you're going to treat me like I'm doing something wrong by counting down to me. No, I don't think, I think it was inappropriate how he treated me to begin with. I would have, I was never following him around the playground, holding my hands out saying, arrest me. I'm so bad. No, he instigated it by by being dismissive, first of all, and not completely being empathetic and addressing it. Now, to be fair, I want to just talk to police officers because very, being married to a police officer, again, it gives me this amazing different perspective that a lot of people don't get to live. My husband, including many other law enforcement officers, are being put in positions where your typical citizen is now becoming a criminal. They have never been put in this position before, as far as I've seen. And this, it, you know what I mean? So it's, I think it's a confusing situation. I, I actually have empathy for the officer that arrested me. I don't have any ill will towards the man. I'm hoping he thinks he made a rash judgment and made a mistake and regrets it, but I don't know. But at the end of the day, there has to be some compassion and empathy on these people where it is confusing because do I risk losing my job by not doing what the mayor has told me to do? Because I think by now, hopefully people have started realizing that just doing my job is not a good excuse for doing things, even if it is the law, right? Because the law is not always, uh, the law is not well, always moral. And yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the key. So here's the thing too. I mean, we talked about the proper role of law enforcement officers, and this is a question as these uh, draconian lockdowns and other restrictions continue, they're only made possible by law enforcement officers, such as this one that arrested you in the park. If these officers were doing the right thing and saying, we are not going to enforce unethical, immoral decrees that actually harm children, that actually harm families. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, I, they signed up because we want to make this world better for moms who need our protection for these children. But they're doing the exact opposite. The time is coming when they're going to have to decide what's more important to them. 
And I think even if this man had just shown some compassion and let you go, I don't think he would have lost his job. What I'm thinking of when when you're telling the story is an incident that happened when I lived in California and there was a park we used to go to. It was just wide open. Uh, it was off. You know, it was secluded and there was a huge lawn area there and a play area. Dogs must be on leash. Why? It's not even a busy road. Friend of mine was throwing the ball for his Labrador. Labrador is fantastic with kids. They have nobody's within two minutes, a motorcycle cop shows off, you know, shows up, demands that this dog be put on a leash, not hurting anybody, not doing anything, but that's just this. And, but what I also want to ask is, was this actually a law that this was shut down? So we have these orders. I want to know because you're being charged with trespass, but how can they how can you trespass on public property? It just makes no sense to me. Well, we closed it down because of a health emergency and we told you to leave. Yeah, so I don't have my paperwork in front of me to give you the exact information on that because I'm rarely asked that question. But to just briefly put it, my understanding is the mayor of Meridian basically did his his shutdown order, whatever you want to call it. And in that, though, it excluded basically your constitutional rights. So in this situation, I have a constitutional right to peaceably assemble. I even asked the officers about that. What about our right to peaceably assemble? And that was kind of like, well, you can do it, but you can't do it here. Right. And I'm like, but that's not that's not really how that works. So in regards to the playground being shut down, I I as far as I know, the city council didn't take a vote on it. Um, as far as I know, it was just shut down. The thing is, you know, keep in mind, it's not pre-COVID. If you were to close down a playground due to it need, needing to be fixed, every parent would understand that. And you would go to the next park over to take your kids to the park, right? Or the playground. But in this, options. Yeah, there was no options. You know, it's not like you could go other places, right? And people are like, well, you should go to your neighborhood park. Well, no, guess what? My HOA neighborhood park was also closed down. So there, there was nowhere to go. There was not an outlet for me, for my kids. And I, you mentioned the officer. I don't think the officer lost his job unless you're talking about someone else. No, I'm saying that he would not have lost his job if he had just chosen to let you slide and not, you know, it's not like he would have been fired for just being a decent human being. Oh, I right? see what you're, yeah, you're yeah. right. He, I see what you're saying. It's not like if he chosen uh, uh, otherwise, he's going to get fired for it. Okay. I just want to clarify. You know, what's also so, so distasteful about this whole thing if you had been a parent who became known in the community, hey, this this mom, she's got four kids and they never go out. They're home all the time. She won't even take them to the park. CPS would be knocking on your door for taking good care of your kids. The other thing that's so patently disturbing about this is a lot of the low income families don't have backyards or common areas that they can just play in that's not going to be subject to these lockdowns. And within especially these communities, we're seeing an increase in domestic violence and suicide and drug abuse. But you know, these, these health officials, these legislatures, these little uh, self-crowned tyrants that we're seeing spring up all over the place are, are just, they're focusing on this virus that kids don't even get, by the way, with a laser pointer and destroying their lives, forcing little kids to wear masks when they don't even spread this virus to adults where there's absolutely no risk. And what we have is now a whole community of sheeple parents who are saying, well, I put these masks on my kids to teach them responsibility. It's child abuse. It's absolutely in inexcusable. Uh, Alan, Jeff, did you have anything you wanted to add to this before Sarah goes? I know we only have a short time with her. How are you planning on celebrating a Women's History Month? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I'm gonna have I'm gonna actually be celebrating it next month because my one year anniversary is April 21st, and we will be having a planned play date at the local park that I was arrested, which is right next to my house. So oh. all the moms out there invited to Meridian, Idaho, April 21st, Kleiner Park in the afternoon time sometime, because, you know, it's funny. People are like, well, it was a protest. I'm like, well, first of all, it wasn't, but if it had been, yes, yes. Next time I go next time, if that park gets shut down and I, and it's not been shut down since they reopened it, it got reopened three weeks after my arrest. And it's not, they've not touched it. And I think there may have, there may have been something 
uh, related to my incident as to why that's not been shut down again. So yeah, but next time, if it does get shut down, me and the moms, we're getting together. We're going to wear matching colored shirts and we're going to bring signs and we will actually have a planned protest. Maybe we'll chain ourselves to the playground equipment. I don't know. You go girl. This is what it takes. This is what it takes. Sarah Brady, if everybody had the temerity and the courage that you do, because I've been saying all along there, it's only a matter of time before I'm in leg irons over this whole thing. If everybody was afraid to be arrested, we wouldn't see any changes at all because they're quite complacent in their newfound tyrannical powers. So um, I could keep you here for the whole hour, but I know you need to get going. So I want to thank you for joining us today, Sarah Brady. I will be keeping in touch. I know you had a court date yesterday and uh, you're continuing this. Please keep me posted as to when your trial is. I might even try and come up for that. I'm not too yes. far away. Yes. So, um, and then, you know, you, your attorneys have any questions you want to rattle my cage, you feel free to anytime. Keep in touch with me, my dear. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our friends over at Anchor FM and then hear what Alan Mosley has to say about this. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. That was a great discussion. Um, here's a woman that was arrested for taking her kids to the park. Now, Alan, you know what we're going to hear. She wasn't arrested for taking her kids to the park. She was arrested because mm -hmm. she didn't follow orders. What say you? Well, of course. And I mean, there's I'm 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 trying to be polite and bite my tongue about a lot of things that uh, I think you you know full well I don't <laughs> have to explain to you. But but that being neither here nor there, it this is just a perfect kind of like window into the soul of authoritarianism that the the law enforcement are that they are the enforcement wing of the state. And you know, Sarah said the words herself legality does not necessarily equal morality. And while it may be true that law enforcement then sometimes can be put in an awkward position of choosing between doing what uh, our, their job regulates them to do versus what their, their moral compass may dictate. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna censor myself here. This is why people like me say there's no such thing as a good cop. Because you know, if you are a police officer, you are. So if I go to work for Amazon and I sign a contract with Amazon and I've signed at the bottom line and I work for X amount of money per year to perform Y service, I don't sign the contract and then get to decide, well, I really don't like some of Amazon's practices. So you need to change these things or else there is no or else you sign the dotted line. Correct. And we want it to be that way. Right. We 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 respect contract law and we want people to uphold their obligations. But the difference, though, is, is that there's a there's a reasonable, you know, Amazon being a private company, they can't expect you to do things to harm people. And then you turn around and say, yes, sir, and go right along with it. But somehow that's different when it comes to the state. And so it is up to people like us to draw a line in the sand and say, no, you don't you don't get any special consideration. We're not we're not going to look the other way for the jackboot thugs. If you if your job requires you to do things to uphold immoral laws or to hurt people telling some, and in this case, look, telling someone that they can't raise their kids the way they want, that is aggression. That you may not have literally pulled out your baton and started cracking skulls, but it is aggression to tell a parent how they can and can't raise their kids. If you are doing that, you are wrong. If you are doing that, you are you are providing an immoral service to the community. You are enforcing the will of the state. So you are in the wrong. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Oh, I'll look the other way this time. It doesn't matter. Oh, well, you know, I wouldn't do that. You know, it's other guys in my department. No, you are a part of an organization that is evil. Full stop. And this has been going long on long enough for them to know what they're getting into when we're doing when they're doing this as well. So the the uh, defense that, well, we have good intentions. We just want to help uh, become a firefighter. Then go ahead, Jeff. Alan, you what you said, it wasn't even a law. That's the problem. They exactly. weren't enforcing a law. They well, they were enforcing that trespassing law, which was a stretch because there was no trespassing going on because she wasn't inside the taped area. So she wasn't trespassing on their closure, which wasn't a law. The legislature of that city didn't pass some law saying we're, we're requiring everyone to stay out of these taped areas. No, some guy that thinks he's some big fish in this tiny pond said. We're closing these parks. Well, they didn't close the park. They closed the playground apparatus, and that's it. And then these cops come in there, 
and bully these ladies thinking that they they're just going to cow to their their bullying you had one that just said you know i'm, I'm not going to cow to you and or i'm not going to bow to you and your demand Jeff, I hear what you're saying, and and I I'm not even disputing the 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 letter of the law or the regulation. What I'm but what I'm saying is though, you know, we don't live in a free society. Like I I would love I would love it if we did, but we don't. So Mike makes right in this in this less than perfect world that we live in. And if they say that if they say you know jump, you say how high, or you are now putting your life in your hands against the enforcement wing of the state. Let's not put flowery words on it. It doesn't like let's just call a spade a spade. It doesn't matter what your constitution says. It doesn't matter what the law says. They are the enforcement wing of the state and they have carte blanche to do to you whatever the hell they want. Now, when your cold, dead body is in the ground, whoever you leave behind may file a suit against the city and they may win millions of dollars. But that ain't bringing you back, is it? Nope. I, I saw that uh, Brianna Taylor's mom had gotten a significant mm -hmm. judgment in her favor, and somebody was mocking her for driving around a fancy sports car. There is no mom on the planet that would prefer to have a sports car over their daughter. That kind of yeah. rhetoric uh, is is absolutely not helpful. The other thing I was thinking as well was if she had resisted, there is no doubt in my mind that she would have been tased. Jeff, just like the two people you were telling me about, uh, weren't they tased as well? Uh, you had a story, I think Mark Kresslin's actually had shared it. And two yeah. women in England actually went beyond the two kilometer limit they had of freedom to go get some tea. And you can see a picture of a helicopter coming. They were actually searching for these people. So how they knew, I don't know, possibly from phones and tracing. I mean, it's almost like we're all under all under house arrest. This is not a quarantine. This is a house arrest and enough is enough already. I did want to mention really quickly, you know, all of these different uh, all these different examples that have been cited, you know, Sarah's story, as well as some of the stories that you've shared, Suzanne and Jeff. It, you know, one of the common themes in all of these different anecdotes is, of course, we've, we've all heard the complaints of, you know, rapists and murderers are roaming free. And like it's a ridiculously low percentage of those cases that get closed satis with a satisfactory decision or, or you know, finding the, the apprehending the, the suspect. But but yet. You know, the, the parents are out at the park for just a few minutes. The guy's out there with the Labrador for just a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And then the cop rolls up. That belies something very sinister. And I don't, you know, I, I hate to jump to conclusions. You know, for all we know, they happen to be watching the road and they happen to see a car go up it and they're watching you and you didn't see them. But what it seems to me in a lot of these cases is Either A, you're being surveilled in some way, whether it's cell phone data, geo tracking, whatever. And of course, I know you guys have railed against that, and it's a violation of the Fourth Amendment as well. But what's just as, if not more likely, it is your POS neighbors that are ratting you out. Yep. Not only that, I was thinking there's probably a neighbor that called the police that time, but I had also seen him in that area not far from the park. So he was either ready mm -hmm. for that call or mm -hmm. in a in a spot where he could see and it was always guess when just when school got out so other than mm -hmm. that he was there with his radar detector i want to share with you another story from california and i have to say this the article i'm going to refer you to and uh, jeff i don't know if you have it handy we can put it in the comments section this came out of california and i want to explain to people just like the riots we saw in response to oh i don't know how many how many do we have to name you know george floyd i mean how many do we really even need to go there all the riots we've seen from police brutality on members of the black community are excused by the media they're mostly peaceful protesters baltimore mayor these are people that just need space to destroy if you are not of the BLM or another leftist movement, Antifa, and uh, possibly of the movement that, I don't know, supports gun rights as against the gun, as against the lockdowns and all of this, the media is going to treat you differently. We've seen that over the past year, again, with the riots. We don't need to, you know, go through that all again. But also, Alan, before we went live, we were discussing how the media treated Sarah. And I didn't ask her that, but I do have the answer because the reports that I've already seen are saying how she violated the policy, the lockdown, and, and was a danger because of, you know, COVID spreading and this and that. 
and also justifying the police behavior. Well, they told she she put her hands out and said to arrest her. Well, again, that's assuming that police take their marching orders from the rank and file citizen, you know, because just as likely if she had said, I, I, I'm telling you to open the park, it's just as unlikely as he would have opened the park because she said so. This is an article here. First of all, family in California. Here's the headline from, of course, NBC Corporate News. You can always uh, uh, count on them. As I share this article with you, I want the listeners to ask if this was a BLM or Antifa or any kind of protest riot that we've seen where property was destroyed, where people were injured, had, oh, I don't know, um, concrete filled milkshake cups thrown at them, if they would have treated it the same way. Here's the headline. Man with alleged boogaloo ties charged with sending threats to California health official. Gentleman by the name of Alex of Alan Barango has not yet entered a plea, but is facing two felony charges, including stalking and threatening a public official. A man who authorities say has ties to the extremist anti-government boogaloo movement has been charged in connection with two dozen harassing or threatening letters to Santa Clara County's top public health official. Alan Varengo of Gilroy had not yet entered a plea, but is facing two felony charges, including stalking and threatening a public official in connection with 24 letters that were sent to Dr. Sarah Cody between April 9th and uh, July 29th, and that was last year. Alan, let's unpack this a little bit. Jeff, you feel mm -hmm. free to weigh in as well. First of all, the headline itself is very insightful. Go ahead. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's you can't unsee things once you see them. And, and I can't stress enough how important it is that, look, people ask all the time, look, I always hear the corporate press is terrible, but I don't know where to go to get information. Or, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm trying to look up the weather, do I have to avoid the corporate press? And, and I get that that's a problem. With that said, it's so important to be able to see just instantly, instinctively, when any piece of news that the corporate media is portraying just drips with agenda there's a uh, it's it's something i know michael malice says that there's a difference between having a bias and having an agenda and when you have an article that from the from the headline down just just oozes with we want you to feel a way. We don't want you to just know what happened. They don't want you to know what happened in the case of Alan Frango. We don't, they don't want you to know that he who he is or that he's been arrested or what he did or, or didn't do. They want you to feel a way about it. You can't once you once you start to see that, that, you know, I can I can take a step back and say this article wants me to feel a certain way about this man knowing. I mean, he hasn't been to trial yet. You know, but whether he's guilty or innocent or, or what he did or didn't do is morally or ethically right or wrong to begin with. They want you to to have a distaste, have a fear. You know, they want you to be repulsed by this guy before you even get to the heart of the article, which I, I know you'll I know you'll get to it as well. But the heart of the article, even in of itself, is misleading because two thirds of this article is not even about the guy in the headline. Exactly. And two things here. This is they are polluting the jury pool. They are tampering mm -hmm. with the jury. They are already convicting this gentleman in the court of public opinion. And mm -hmm. this public opinion is the pool from which the jury will be drawn. Now, consider if somebody was trying to set up a tent or inside near a, a court, uh, uh, the courthouse and have a table educating prospective juries of jury nullification, those get mm -hmm. shut down. They will, they will find you, they will send you packing. Cannot do that. So, so these are, these are the prospective jurors. So let me continue. I had another thing I was thinking of, but I'll, it'll pop into my mind in a minute. So let me continue a little bit more with this article here as well. The authorities allege he engaged in a sustained effort to intimidate him, uh, Cody, with letters containing, here we go, here's the language. This is going to bring in all uh, the feminists. This is going to bring in everybody else. Okay. Containing misogynistic language, threats, pornography, and anti-government views. You know, they make the point like just being anti-government is a crime. We have mm -hmm. covered again and again and again the use of illegitimate force and violence and aggression imposed upon people every day. Mm -hmm. 
But when somebody strikes back, you know, when I mentioned earlier the riots, when all these riots were happening, particularly after George Floyd, I said, this is a natural and entirely predictable outcome, not justifying, not explaining, not excusing, but from a position of detached fascination. How can you have anything but these riots after what's been going on? Of course, this is going to happen. Of course, people are going to vent at their health officials. Of course, they're going to be angry about this. Had this man intended to do harm, he could have very very easily done so. He wrote a series of letters. Misogynistic? We don't know that. None of this has been entered into evidence. This is just a reporter saying Mm -hmm. there was misogynistic and anti-government. That's not a crime. It's not a crime to be any of these. Let me tell you what else isn't a crime. Continue on. Okay, a letter addressed to Cody showed up with a picture of an igloo in a place of a return address and the phrase, let's boogie, written above. So clearly, Alan, this is this is the missing link to Boogaloo, right? This is it. This is, mm-hmm. this is some compelling journalistic uh, skills that we see here. What do you think? If you're sending your kids to public schools, then you should be ashamed because sending your kids to public school is child abuse. And one of the many reasons why it's child abuse is there's a particularly sinister piece of propaganda that they shove down kids' throats in social studies from a very early age. And and what it is, is we are the government. The government is us. Now, why do they do that? They do that because if you are if you are anti-government, if you attack the state, then that's an attack on all of us, right? It's it's you know it's it's like in Superman when all the people on the bridge are throwing rocks at the Green Goblin. They say if you attack what city, you attack all of us. No, so that's what they want you to feel like. Well, this guy's anti-government, so that means he's anti-you. This guy doesn't like your way of life. He thinks you should have to go. You know, you either have to be a slave or you should die or you should have to go live in some third world country because he he hates America. He hates you and everything about it. So, guys, you are not. First of all, you're definitely not. Sarah can tell you you're not the government. You don't you don't have any say. This is not a free society. But beyond that is that. Okay, so you have a population of people that feel that way. I'm the government, so this guy's anti-government. It, it reminds me of the what's the what's the H. Uh, L. Mencken quote? Every decent man should be ashamed of the government he lives under. Yes. H. L. H. L. Mencken is an anti-government domestic terrorist extremist today, right? Like if H. L. Mencken were were 32 today, he'd 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 be run out of polite society. They would they'd banish Twitter account. Am I wrong? No, absolutely. Uh, let me see. I'm looking at this article some more as well. We're going to take a quick break for our friends over our musical sponsor, Roxanne. And you can hear how you can uh, purchase the music that we use at the beginning of this show and at the end. And we'll be right back and continue on with Alan Slots. Thank you. Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, and RoxanneBand.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Wasatch Report. Alan Mosley, host of It's Too Late, is joining us. Um, I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson, also in the studio. We're talking about uh, a woman. We started the show off with a gal named Sarah Brady, who was arrested for taking her children to a park in Idaho. Uh, That was a story that made some headlines. I'm sure you're familiar with that. So we got to hear directly from her and the conversations going on to, you know, how, how, how proper is it? Is this a proper role of law enforcement officers to just enforce any decree that the politicians, mm-hmm. many of whom become local tyrants, are uh, telling them to? I think we know what the answer is. I want to continue now with an article I was sharing. This actually came out last year, NBC News, but it just came to my attention. I'll tell you why the connection, <laughs> what the connection is and how I came about finding out about this. Um, apparently, there's a gentleman, Alan Varengo, who is accused of uh, what they call a sustained efforts to intimidate a councilwoman uh, from the health department, I should say, in, in Santa Clara County. And they say that he wrote, I think, a dozen or to, uh, up to 24 letters uh, that were misogynistic. You see all of this inflammatory language. 
And his attorney is correct. His attorney is Cody Salfin, who is saying that uh, the member that his client is a community member and a law abiding citizen who respects the rule of law and the Constitution. At this time, we have allegations. Allegations are not facts. Very few facts, if any, have been provided by the district attorney's office about the local law enforcement activities in this case. Yet, here we have a news agency that seems to have all of the inner descriptions of what was written in there, which is interesting to me. So he had appeared in Santa Clara County Superior Court last year and posted bail, and he was remanded back into custody. I think he's out, and I'm not sure. But here's where they stop talking about him and now start polluting the minds of the jury pool. And I want to just let you in on a little bit, a little secret that this is, you know, one of the reasons the criminal justice system is just uh, such a disaster. When I first started practicing law, actually, it was when I was waiting to take the bar exam or after I took the bar exam, I beg your pardon. I was working with a friend of mine from law school who was a retired police officer, and he was working for a group out in California called PORAC. It was a peace officer's research assistant uh, program. And there was a police officer, I think from Los Altos Police Department, my hometown, who was charged with uh, multiple counts of uh, sexual misconduct with uh, women he had pulled over. He was guilty on every single charge. Here's what the district attorney said. Wow, I'm surprised he got another. He was convicted of charges A, B, C, and D. She says, I only added those to bolster my case. What she's saying was she brought forth charges that she did not think there was probable cause for him to be held over for trial just to make the few that he could be convicted of more likely for a conviction. To me, that is dirty pool. She was known as a win-at-all-costs district attorney. This is not justice, ladies and gentlemen. This, This is just kind of being in it to win it. The guy ended up going to San Quentin. I think he's out now. Let me return to this article. So now Here's where I don't, I'm not really sure where the article is going with this now. Federal prosecutors, okay, we're not talking federal prosecution right here, have described the Boogaloo movement as a term used by extremists to signify a coming civil war and or collapse of society. Once again, irrelevant to this case. The movement which says it wants a second civil war Organized around the word Boogaloo includes groups on mainstream internet platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 all of those. The letter to the California health official with the Boogaloo iconic, is that an igloo? Is an igloo a a reference to the Boogaloo? I don't know. It is. So (laughs) they've gotten clever that, you know, saying things like Boogaloo can get you flagged on social media. So they would say the big igloo. Okay. I don't know how I would know that. I'm just guessing. (laughs) This was sent among a flurry of recent high-profile incidents, again, tangential, unrelated completely, that have tied to reputed members of the group, including terrorist plot in Nevada, efforts to foment violence at George Floyd protests in South Carolina, and the alleged plot to kidnap the children of the San Francisco Bay elected officials. There's nothing... There is nothing linking this man to all of these unrelated incidents. Yet here they are, again, poisoning the minds. I don't know how he's ever going to get a fair trial. He has pleaded not guilty. So this is this is just what the media's take is on people that are trying to say, we're tired of these lockdowns. We are tired of living like this. I will tell you, I know this family personally. <laughs> I was talking to Alan's wife the other day, and I hadn't heard from her in a while. And then she told me that their house was raided last week, 6.30 in the morning. They showed up, bomb squad, confiscated firearms. There was a news report, I think also in this article, saying that they seized 100 100 guns. It's not against the law to own 100 guns. Again, inflammatory rhetoric, poisoning the jury pool. So what they're going to do is just push this probably till he takes some sort of a plea. When I saw the Hunger Games, I said, one day, this is going to be considered a documentary. So this is the family. My boys went to Taekwondo with one of theirs. So I know them well. We hung out, spent a lot of time. Scouts leaders, the boys are Eagle Scouts. They hunt, they do outdoor stuff. They teach survival skills to kids. Pretty much everything that the rank and file 
nitwit mob in California is against. I am not justifying or excusing threatening an official, sending letters, becoming a felony, and using all this anti, you know, this 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 inflammatory language to already convict him when he hasn't even been tried yet. This, just like the riots that we saw this past year, is the natural and probable and highly pre or, uh, and predictable outcome of people being sick and tired of having their lives and their livelihoods destroyed over this, mm -hmm. this virus. We'll be right back after this message about Anchor FM. Well, you know, I think one of the kind of like overarching questions that, that I have from that particular article, and, and it might bring our whole conversation full circle as well, which is, you know, what's a threat? I, I think we can all mutually agree that if I say to you, so, you know, Suzanne, you, you, have to, you have to put on a blue shirt or I'm going to punch you in the face. That's a threat. That's a, that's a direct one-to-one threat of violence. I, you will do X or I will hurt you. Now, I'm not going to, by the way, I'm not going to get into basically everything the state does is backed up by, by threats, but that being neither here nor there. What is a threat? Is, is telling, let's say, is, is telling, let's say you run for mayor and you win. And then as soon as you get in, because you know how Suzanne is, she's just corrupted by power instantly. You, you become the worst mayor ever. If I say to you, Dad Gummit, Suzanne, is this is this is this is your last this is your last term of office. We're getting you out. Is that a threat? I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't explicitly say we're going to get you out of office by voting for someone else. Is that a threat? Is taking your kids to the park when other people are scared of germs? Is that a threat? I, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't say that it is. But if it is, God, I mean, you're rewriting the book, right? That's what I'm getting at. If, if, you're, if, if those things are threats, if, if being anti-government is threatening to your neighbors because they are the government, if, if telling a politician and, – and, and I don't know what was in the letters. If he put in the letters, I'm going to bomb City Hall, that's a threat. That's a whole other thing. But we don't know. But we don't know. That's all, it's all alleged BS. If he says in the letters – um, you know, we're we're going to we're going to get you out of office. Is that a threat is being too vague about how one's going to do something a threat is is the wrong choice of words a threat, because if it's not, then this is all a giant nothing burger. And that guy should be able to sue every single media outlet that picked up the story. Absolutely. If it is, if it is a threat, then you and I are at risk of having shackles thrown on us probably every second of the day for everything you and I have ever said. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, one of the articles or the article in here also says one of the letters, because they're saying he has a history of sending these to other law enforcement agencies as well. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, one of the letters I'm talking about, not if they're direct threats, one of the letters described uh, a, a specific Las Vegas detective as a piece of shit. Is that a threat? The detective had arrested a uh, him in the early 90s after he was accused of sending police threatening letters while attending a motorcycle rally. So we have a history of letters, but no history of actual violence. So he was convicted, but had his conviction overturned. This was for the first set of letters. Years later, because the criminalist who reviewed the evidence in his case was later accused of unethical practices. How about that? Now, some of the stuff I, I'm, I can't really reveal, but there is some... Uh, question as to some of these letters not being from him that they're trying to attribute to him. That's as much as I can say. But here's what they say here. On July 29th, according to the police report, detectives watched him drive to a mailbox and drop a letter inside. It was addressed to Dr. Sarah Cody and mocked her for her handling of the pandemic, according to the police report. He was arrested a month later. He sent her a letter mocking her. We are all mocking these freaking idiots every single day. I call my county out yep. County Sandinistas. Is that a threat? No. When he was arrested at his family's home last week, now this was last year, they came out there again also. When he was arrested, detectives found more than 100 firearms. So what? Not illegal. Including, here we go, here we go, potential assault rifles explosives that could be anything thousands mm -hmm. of rounds of ammunition well who doesn't tools for manufacturing ammunition that's called reloading folks a lot of people do that and here we go alan confederate flags so you know again this is this is why it's so important to be a defender of foundational principles 
is because uh, I, I noticed somebody had said in the comments, you know, freedom of speech is on its way out. Well, it's it's been out for a long it's, time. It's long gone. It, it, I mean, yeah, it's it's and, it, and by the way, it it was gone, you know, barely moments after they they codified it in founding documents, because you know that that if the people determining what is a it's the threat question all over again. Well, freedom of speech, freedom of speech, comma, but you can't say threats, comma, but. We're going to pass the Sedition Act, and if you make fun of the president, you're going to go to jail, and we're going to shut down your newspaper. This is not a new story. I mean, I think that that's what's really interesting for the for the the uh, students of history. Among it's not like this is a like oh wow, freedom of speech is on its way out, guys. I've never seen such things, guys. Your founders 200 years ago already saw these things, and I don't mean saw these things from the British. I mean they already saw these things from the American government. This is this is not a new story. The the problem always is the centralization. Centralization of power. The problem always is that look, uh, you know, I've 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 said the snarky comment recently. Look, you can keep your amendments. We're just here for your rights. Like yeah. uh, like you can you can have your piece of paper with your words on it. Look, you can have freedom of speech as long as you understand that we determine what is and isn't freedom of speech. Like, look, you can you can write a letter to your to your representative or congressman or council lady or whoever, as long as you realize we determine what is and isn't threatening speech in a the letter. They're the ones who write the rules. And and how silly of you to think that the people who have the power to write the rules then have to obey any rules when they can write them. You know what? How much do you want to bet if these letters were addressed mm -hmm. to any of us personally, forget about, mm -hmm. you know, what what would cause them to be sent to us could be a neighbor dispute, something like that. If we received mm -hmm. these letters, do you think for a nanosecond that he would have been charged? I, th I think in all seriousness, I think what would have happened is that even if the letters were genuinely threatening in nature, which we don't know if his were there, it's just as likely they weren't at all. But let's say if you got genuinely got a threatening letter from me, I mean, you you were an attorney, Suzanne, you probably know this. What would they say? They would say, well, he's not, you know, he's not physically around here. I'm not I'm not in Utah you know, if he's not coming around the property and, you know, if you're not, if, if he's not stalking you or whatever, there's really, our hands are kind of tied. There's not really anything you can do. If he writes a bunch more letters, you know, come back and file a complaint. That's the same type of story. Like how many, how many battered women have you heard from that? That's, that's the story they get from law enforcement. And then, but then you'll, they'll turn around and be demonized if they take matters into their own hands. That is almost certainly the response that you or I would get if we got some threatening messages or letters, but boy, but so it's, it's so important for people to realize, like, are there rich people and poor people? Of course. Do, do rich people have certain advantages that their wealth can buy them? Of course. Are are there disparities disparities between different races? I'm not I'm not here to tell you that there's not. I mean, we we can look at law enforcement records and see that that uh, people of color are more likely to be prosecuted, more likely to get longer sentences, things like that for for basic offenses. So I'm not here to dispute any of that. But I'll tell you, none of those classes—white, black, rich, poor, whatever—none of them hold a candle to the political class. Absolutely. You know, I think our good friend Mike Meharry from the 10th Amendment Center says, you know, the point of government is their perspective is we can hit you, but you can't mm -hmm. hit us. They mentioned stalking. The only thing they had here with regards to the placement of the letters, the detective viewed him putting a letter in the mailbox mm -hmm. and then they arrested him. Since when is putting a letter in a mailbox stalking? You can bet if they had actual evidence of him hanging out the courthouse, hanging around this woman's house, that would have been all mm -hmm. up and down this article. So yep. I also think they would have upped the ante in California. We have something called terrorist threats. And mm -hmm. uh, we would have seen something like that. But again, every time we have these interactions, there is the threat of aggression, physical violence, if we do not comply. I don't know what he said. I'm not going to justify, you know, if, if somebody's way of venting their frustration with law enforcement is to write police officers letters or health officials letters 
saying they're a piece of shit and no clay. I don't get a, I don't get demerits if I'm quoting somebody, but I'll also put a dollar in the cuss jar um, for all the, the stuff before we go live. <laughs> you know, so my point is stalking. They use that in there. Mm -hmm. That is language that conjures up emotions in people. Everybody fears a stalker. Mm -hmm. If somebody's really out to get you, they will get you. We don't see that here. But what was it that, well, I'm not quoting somebody right now, but speaking of pieces of you know what, Carl Rove once said that you can't unring the bell once you have an, an impression mm -hmm. that goes out, an impact in the court of political opinion. No matter what happens, that's always going to be there. And the press also mm -hmm. participates in this. I think you guys remember there was a story that was taking national, pardon my French headlines, about a militia group in Michigan that was targeting police officers' funerals. They were going to set off bombs, anti-government forces. Well, this had FBI, CI all over it. The thing just stunk to high heaven. All the charges were dropped. You just didn't cover that. You had to dig for that. You never heard about that story again. And the press was never held accountable for their malfeasance. And as you said, this isn't a matter of mere bias. That would be the best thing you could say about them. This is pure agenda. They picked a side. And guess what? We're not on it. Hunger Games. The people that were in the little ghettos, the little uh, communities they had, those are the survivalists, the hunters, the outdoors people, the gal with the bow, the long bow. Who are the ones in charge? They kind of mirror the ones that are in charge today. The ones mm -hmm. that were the captives, they kind of mirror the people like us that just want to live free and be left alone and be left to our own devices. They had 100 guns. So what? They had reloading equipment. So what? None of what he was charged of having in his possession is illegal to have. But they have to throw that in there because they know the majority of people in society are going to read that and go, oh, what a danger. So we'll be following yeah. this story and see what happens with this. Well, I know I, we're, we probably don't have enough time to get into it today, but I know you and I had talked off the air really briefly about how, you know, in, in certain in some countries, like in some European countries, you know, think of places like the Netherlands. You know, they they have laws uh, for for the press and goodness knows we don't want to attack the free press. But they but they have regulations that say that if, if a person has not been convicted of a crime, uh, you can't print their name and likeness in the paper. And and, and the reason is it's, it's, it's similar to the same types of things you've been talking about is that from a purely from a law and order standpoint, you could be potentially poisoning the, the jury pool against against the accused before they've actually heard the the facts of the case. And then more from kind of a uh, public relations and professional standpoint, like, like let's be honest, like if, if you found out tomorrow that case was dropped, his life is still ruined in his community. Tell me I'm wrong. Oh, abs absolutely. He lost his job. He was actually a high school math teacher. And mm -hmm. the wife is a nurse. She is a hospice caregiver. Folks, I, I couldn't come up with something to say negative about these people. These people would be somebody I would consider an asset to my community. Do I, do I defend writing horrible, angry letters to your, to people that, you know, in law enforcement, it's not against the law. What is a threat? I mean, Alan, you hit that one right on the head. I mean, what, what really constitutes a threat? Well, we really don't have any, anything um, here that we want to talk about that we know is threatening. So let's throw in words like misogynistic. <laughs> let's throw mm -hmm. in trigger words like the Confederate flag, ammunition, build, you know, that's reloading material. You know, these things that are going mm -hmm. to fire up the audience, but we'll follow up on this case. And we'll also keep in, keep in touch with my friend, Sarah, my new friend, Sarah, and see what's going on. I might just be heading up to Idaho for that little event on the 21st. Hopefully I can live stream for myself when the event's over. <laughs> Alan, where can people find you? My website is alanmosley.tv, where you can find links to social media videos. That's you can also get a link to the event. The event, uh, the, the it's too late live show for 2021 is March 20th. So I mean, we're just a little over a couple of weeks away. But you got to get your tickets. So go to the link and social media. All the social medias and platforms are all at Alan Mosley TV. Odyssey at Alan Mosley TV. YouTube at Alan Mosley TV. Twitter at Alan Mosley TV. Facebook at Alan Mosley TV. Always a pleasure having you here.
really thank appreciate you so your, much. your talent, your insight, your wisdom. Again, I think you should be one of the ones that people know the most of. So we're going to do whatever we can to help you get to that point because you're truly talented. Thank you very much. Jeff, thank you so much for all you do. I know you do all the post-production work. Uh, without you, there would not be a show. So very cool for both of you. All right, everybody, this has been the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Thank you for listening.